to me, it means that the buck stops here, that you are the, when it says chief executive officer, uh, you are, that's where the, the decision-making stops. I mean, you are in charge. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Dave Combs of CombsMusic.com. Dave, it's great to have you on the show. Gresham, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for jumping on and super excited to have you on. And what I wanted to do is just read a little bit more about Dave so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Dave is a songwriter, photographer, and entrepreneur with four decades of experience writing over 120 songs, creating 14 albums of soothing, relaxing, instrumental piano music and building a successful music business. His songwriting began with the now popular standard, Rachel's Song. His soothing, relaxing music has been played millions of times worldwide on radio, satellite, and all internet streaming media. And he continues to touch the lives of millions of people all over the world. He's also the author of the new book, Touched by the Music, How the Story and Music of Rachel's Songs Can Change Your Life. Dave, super excited to have you on the show and hear about all the awesome things that you've been doing. Are you ready to speak to the IMCL community? I am ready. Let's roll. Let's do it then. So to kind of kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. Well, it all got started uh, with one song, the, the song that you mentioned, Rachel's song. Well, that was 40 years ago, ironically, 40 years ago this year. So I'm celebrating a 40th anniversary of that song. Nice. And Happy anniversary. I wrote, that, I wrote that song in January of 1981. And it was just a song that I, it came to me as I was sitting at my piano and playing. You've probably heard this many times from songwriters. It just, I didn't really intend to write it. I just played it. And I, it, it was an inspiration. I, I really believe it was a gift to me from God on high. I just, there, I have no other way to explain it, but that was what, it, what started it. And then once the song got discovered by my wife, for example, she got it stuck in her head and she didn't even know that it was a song that I had written. And she got all excited when I told her it was just something I made up. And so she made me write it down and I did that. And then we, uh, three years later, friends of ours had a little baby girl and they asked us to be her godparents, and I played it at her christening service and named it after her, and that's how the song got its name. But then rolled forward another three years. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, working up. I worked for AT&T, Network Systems, for about 22 and a half years. And when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, um, Linda said, why don't you get a, a demo recording of Rachel's song? So I searched around, found a studio, found a musician named Gary Prim, and got a, quote, demo made of my recording. Now, I was naive enough to think that demo sounded, it sounded cheap. But in, as you know, in any industry, when you're making a demonstration product, whether it's a piece of furniture, uh, a piece of equipment, whatever, you want that demo, it's got to be super good. So that's what I ended up with was a demo of Rachel's song that sounded beyond my imagination. Just unbelievable. So I got it played on the radio. And every time it got played on the radio, it, the, the phones lit up at the station. The response was just enormous. And then more and more stations picked it up and it eventually got it played on every radio, easy listening radio station in the entire country. And you can imagine the response from that was just enormous. I started getting something I'd never gotten in my life 
fan mail. <laughs> and so when that started coming in, I thought, wow, we, we might have something that might be the genesis of a business here. And so we got to looking around, but people wanted to buy it. Well, I, all I had was a little, little uh, 45 record of it. So I ended up making, writing more songs, which I discovered I could do because I was 34 years old until I, I wrote my first song. Mm. And so I wrote enough for a whole album, got the CD made. This was back when CDs first started and now they're fading out. And so uh, I got a CD made, sent the CDs around to places and people started ordering the music. And then the, it just kind of snowballed. It was like anybody in an entrepreneurial uh, business a lot of times you don't control the whole, you know, you're on this train to ride and sometimes it's going with or without you. Right. <laughs> right. So it took off and I ended up having to hire somebody full time to help me, you know, answer the phone, fill the orders for the music and that thing. So I, I wrote enough for another album and then another album and things just kind of grew and grew and grew and took a life of their own. So it's a really an entrepreneur story of growing from one song to an album to several albums then how do you get the album sold? You get, you run into brick walls with record stores that don't want to have anything to do with you. So you just find another way to do it. Say, okay, well maybe gift shops will sell it. Well, lo and behold, they did. They played it. Customers liked it. They, they sold it. I had over a thousand gift shops at one time in the United States playing and selling my music. And it was a real job to get those thousand. They didn't come automatically, but uh, it was, that's kind of how it grew. And even today, as things now we're all thinking, oh, how do we get exposure on social media? How do you get on Spotify? How do you get on iHeartRadio? How do you get on Pandora and iTunes and all these places? And so that's the, the entrepreneur in me keeps wanting that those juices keep flowing. You know, there's other opportunities. And uh, so that's that's kind of a, a short version of my career from one song to, to where I am today. Nice. I absolutely love that. I love how you said a lot of times when you get to get things to start flowing, you get the spigot and you start turning it on. It's hard to turn it back off. And once oh, yeah. you start thinking of those ideas, you got to let them keep flowing because some really phenomenal things could got to come from there. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I know you touched a little bit on your business. I want to see if there's anything additional you want to let us know on and on what you do with your business. And also, too, I want to hear a little bit more about your book and, and how that helps and, and what you're doing to, to serve clients. Well, my, my music business has obviously evolved into the digital world with never, now it's mainly streaming and digital downloads. And so, uh, but the, in the past, when people bought CDs or, or bought music, they would see my address on the back of the CD or cassette tape or whatever. And they would, the music touched them so deeply that they took the time to sit down and write me a letter. Mm. And I ended up, Gresham, getting over 50,000 notes and letters from people. And a lot of them were really touching, you know, they were pouring their heart out about this, this song, you know, saved several saved, said it saved their life. I guess they were in some dire circumstances and were, you know, uh, about to do something bad to themselves and they, they, they didn't, or people were sick and in pain and the, and the music helped them. So I've got these wonderful letters. And so last year, my wife said, you know, we got these 50,000 letters over here full of wonderful stories why don't you write a book about that? And, and all these stories about how you built your business from nothing to, to where it is. And I got to think about it and said, okay, well, I sat down and the more I just wrote and wrote and wrote and lots of stories kept coming out. And lo and behold, I end up with enough for an entire book. And so that's why the title of the book is called Touched by the Music. And it's about all those stories of my journey and how my music not only touched my life, 
but the lives of everybody that heard it as well. And so I'm really excited about this book that when it, when it finally gets totally finished and out, it's going to be great because uh, the forward has been written by Jack Canfield, the, the guy's the author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I've got uh, endorsements from lots of really fantastic people. And it's just, uh, it's been quite a journey. Yeah, absolutely. And God's definitely winked in my life as well, too. So I could definitely attest to that as well. So truly appreciate that. And so what would you consider to be what I like to call your secret sauce? And this could be for yourself personally, or your book or your business or a combination of both. But what do you feel kind of sets you apart and makes it unique? Well, I think the the, the music itself, really, and I, I don't, can't explain it exactly, except that the, the music, when people don't know me, they don't know Gary Prim, the, the the artist that plays it, they don't know anything about the background of the song. And when they sit there and listen to the music and tears come running down their cheeks or their emotions really come to the front, there's just something there about that music that I don't know what you call it, a, a, a special sauce or something, but it's, <laughs> it's there that's, that just, it comes out. And it's really, I'm blessed to have that. You know, not every song has that. I definitely, you know, appreciate that. And so I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And okay. I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book, or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? I think uh, my, my characteristic that I've always seemed, seemed to always have is my persistence. I never take no as a final answer. And if I find, run into something where I can't quite get where I want to in a straight line, I find a way to go around it, over it, under it, or through it. And it's that persistence I think has helped me because, you know, you start with in the music business, it's a competitive business out there. There's thousands, millions maybe of songwriters and lots of millions more songs. And to break through that and to make a success of it, it, it takes some persistence and, and imagination and uh, creativity and uh, energy and willingness to work. I mean, a lot of time when I was on the phone trying to get gift shops around the country on a Saturday and Sunday, I made enough phone calls to, to gift shops asking for them to try my music that my phone book on a month came in a shoebox size mm -hmm. because I was making hundreds and hundreds of phone calls just saying, do you play, do you sell any music of the tapes you're, you play in your shop? And then 29 out of 30 would say no, but I'd get that one that said yes. And then I'd just keep going. And then uh, eventually I figured out how to become more efficient by calling the, I think I told you about the, uh, the, the tourist areas is where mm -hmm. my music was mostly sold and I needed to market my music in tourist areas. And, but I didn't know where they were in the country. I knew where a few of them were like Gatlinburg and, you know, more, uh, in, in Ellicott city in Maryland and uh, places like that. But I didn't know where they were in the far West or Midwest where I had probably never even been in my life. And so I finally used my, uh, I guess, analytical skills to put some dots together. I realized that if a tourist town, what would, how would you define a tourist town? Number one, it's a town that thrives on tourists, which means the local population is probably pretty small. And, but on a, on a busy weekend or whatever, their population may be 10 times the local population. And so I figured, well, let's see, tourist towns have lots of shops and few people that live there. So now I need to figure out how do I find those places? So I found that I could purchase the mailing list of all the gift shops in the entire country. Now, this is back in the 1980s. It came in a computer printout. Today, you just get it on a thumb drive or something, download it. But it came in a printout. 
and it had every gift shop in the country by city, by state, alphabetical. And then I went to the library and found a big book called the uh, Marketing Atlas that had every little crossroad in the, in the United States and their population. So I took those two pieces of information. I counted up gift shops in a town. I probably didn't even know where the town was, but I just say, whoa, this town's got 17 gift shops. Okay, looked the same town up over here in the book and it says, hmm, their population is only 850 people. Hmm, now, there's no way in the world 850 people can support 17 gift shops, right? So that must be a tourist town. So I took that whole printout and the database and I put it in my computer. I'm, I'm a computer, I started my career as a computer programmer. So I'm a, I'm a computer geek, I guess at heart. And so I took the data, put it in a, in a database, the city and town, city and state, how many gift shops, what's the population? And another column said, okay, now calculate the ratio of gift shops per population. And, uh, and that ratio then, I let the, did that for the whole database and then sorted it in, on that ratio. And of course, the towns in whatever state it was that had the most gift shops per population just rose right to the top, right at the top of the list. Here's Gatlinburg, by golly. And, and here is, uh, you know, uh, other towns across the country. And so they all just rose to the top like cream. And I started calling those instead of everybody at, at random. And my hit rate went from one in 30 to one in five. Well, that is a, an aha moment or a breakthrough for any small business where you find a way to target your customers. It's like finding a secret uh, ad a sequence on Facebook or on social media. When you finally place an ad and you say, hmm, I only paid $100 for this ad, but I got $5,000 worth of orders from it. Well, now that's a pretty good deal. Let's do some more of that. So it was that kind of a, a, a aha moment for me when it just put me in high gear. And that's when I, I got on the phone and man, I called every one of those in the entire country and got it over a thousand gift shops. So nice. that's how that happened. I absolutely love you, you know, telling that story. And, and it's just a reminder. I think when we first connected, we talked a little bit about, you know, doing big data before data was as big as it is now <laughs> yeah. and being able to kind of understand those sequences, understand how to be more effective and efficient and to be able to do that. I definitely, you know, feel like that's definitely a nugget that we all can kind of remind ourselves of as CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners of just being able to kind of leverage that data, no matter um, the kind of platforms that we're using now to be mm -hmm. able to be more effective because the data is there. We just have to kind of connect those dots, so to speak, so that we can get to where we want to be. I want to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. We're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Dave, what does being a CEO mean to you? To me, it means that the buck stops here, that you are the, when it says chief executive officer, uh, you are, that's where the, the decision-making stops. I mean, you are in charge. Dave, truly appreciate that definition. I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, get a copy of the book and find about all the awesome things you're working on. Well, the best way to get a hold of me probably is just to go to my website and find the links there to contact me. And my website again is www.combsmusic.com. And my email is just Dave at combsmusic.com and I read them all and I answer them all. And, uh, and there's also a place on there that and I encourage everybody to go get your own copy of the song and let it touch you as well. And then there's a place on there that I would love to hear your stories. Like I did for 50,000 others, keep that ball rolling. Let me hear the stories of how my music has touched you as well. I'd love to hear from you. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information in the show notes as well, too, so that everybody can follow up with you. I love kind of hearing your story, hearing how that song, you know, grew into all the awesome things you've been able to do to create so many other stories and so many impacts that you had in so many lives. So appreciate you, of course, for doing that, taking some time out for us with us today. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. IMCEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Get your driven CEO gear at ceogear.co. This has been the IMCEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.